0: This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we're incredibly fortunate we have Kathleen Quinn Votaw. She is the founder and CEO of Talent Trust. She is a leader in helping companies find, keep, and grow great people. She's also the author of Solve the People Puzzle, How High-Growth Companies Attract and Retain Top Talent. She's been recognized by the Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce Top 25 Most Powerful Women in Business. Back-to-back, Inc. 5000, fastest-growing private companies honoree. CoBiz Magazine's top 100 women-owned companies, six years in a row. (laughs) It's a trend. (laughs) Kathleen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Thank
1: Uh, you. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, ma'am. Well, tell us a little bit about your business and who you serve.
1: Talentress was established in 2003, and we serve the middle market. Business owners and business leaders in the middle market and Fortune 500 companies who want to find, keep and grow great people. It's that simple. We work on culture and we work on recruitment to make sure that they can grow. That's my mission in life, making sure small businesses, middle market businesses can grow.
0: You know, as as a business owner, you know, I think about the statement. So, okay, I need to, I think there's a challenge with many of the business owners. They get to a certain point And then they go, you know what? I have to add key talent. I don't know if I need a chief staff. I don't know if a chief operating officer. I don't know what I need. And they go, I'm really good at running my company. And then they have to start hiring because they're growing.
1: Mm -hmm. Happens all the time. happens all the time. And we get to a point, Bob, where we need to bring in people who complement who we are. Because in privately held businesses we can't do it all. You get to a certain point on your journey where you have to look at other people being successful on your behalf. So either you're going to have a lifestyle company or you're going to have a middle market company. And we work with those middle market privately held companies that want to build a business. So the owner often finds themselves in a place where how can they replace themselves so they can go on and continue to grow the company, whether it be sales, marketing, operations, finance. So we often run into people who don't know how to, how to, or when to bring in the next best athlete, next best employee to get to the next level of growth.
0: You know, it's funny. I, I think about some of the companies. You know, and you'll talk to them, and they're bursting at the seams, right? Mm-hmm. And the business owner's hairs on fire, and they're going. Next step. So for you, I, so I'm that business owner. My hair's on fire. We're growing like mad and go, I got to do something or I'm going to die in place. Mm-hmm. So what does that conversation look like when me as the business owner reach out to you for help in trying to determine the path forward?
1: Well, it often starts with, hi, Kathleen, something's wrong. And I don't know what it is <laughs> 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 because something's not working. So it's really, at, you get to a juncture where you understand that Your culture is suffering or broken or not established, or you don't have the right people driving sales, operations, human resources. And the owner is up at two o'clock in the morning, scratching his or her head going, what's going on? I've got a mission, a vision I'm trying to get somewhere, but I can't get the troops motivated to move forward. So what we do first is we do a gap analysis. We call it our people puzzle gap analysis. Isn't that cute? People
0: puzzle gap
1: analysis. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> so uh, we do our people puzzle gap analysis to diagnose what's going on. Because you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. Your listeners are business owners. You're not doing everything wrong. So let's diagnose it. You go to the doctor. You're probably relatively healthy, but maybe you need to take vitamin D. So let's make sure. Do we need to give you vitamin D or vitamin C or B12? Let's figure out what you need. And you know, Bob, sometimes it's not a person. Sometimes it's looking at your culture and looking inside your organization to the talent you actually have today. Harvard Business Review just wrote an article on your recruitment is all wrong. And I agree with them. For most middle market core and upper middle market and Fortune 500 companies, their recruitment is all wrong. They're looking outside almost 79% of the time, and they need to be looking inside. Is your next best hire, Joe, who's sitting next to you? Between World War II and the end of World War II and 1970, we most of the hires were promotions. People were trained and motivated and deployed and taught. We trained people on how to be who they are right now. Now there's an appetite that we're going to go outside the company and we're going to hire somebody who's going to have the next best idea. And only 30% of our people are getting promoted or trained.
0: And so you're on a hamster wheel.
1: Exactly. People
0: are leaving to get promoted.
1: 76% of your people right now, and people hate me when I say this statistic, but 76% of your people are either open to or actively engaged in another discussion with somebody else. They're actively leaving you, not to be mean, but they're looking for advancement. They're looking for knowledge. They're looking to be trained. And if you are not giving it to them, who's gonna?
0: You know, what strikes me is, is as a let's say I'm acquiring middle market companies. And I look at your company and you go, what's your turnover of key personnel look like? Mm -hmm. And you wake up and go, well, we got about three quarters of our people leave on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Has to affect the value of the business.
1: It affects the value of the business. Definitely. It affects the valuation because in most companies, unless it's an artificial intelligence company or, you know, super duper product or engineering process, you're buying people and you're buying their relationships with other people. So retention is key, but only positive retention. I'm not a supporter of retention for retention's sake, because sometimes it's time to go. And the average life cycle of a millennial and a Gen Z, well, Gen Zs aren't quite working up some a little bit, but millennials is about 2.4 years. Wow. And it's the same statistic at the executive level.
0: You know, I I think about transmission of culture within a business. Mm -hmm. And if you've got that kind of turnover... How in the world do you preserve the culture of the company?
1: It's very hard to preserve the culture when you're in constant change. And so often I talk about this, I have a whole talk about this, Bob, culture by design versus by default. And many times companies have a culture by default and they don't give it any kind of guardrails that this is what good looks like in our organization. They don't have the words to talk about it. They don't know what culture is. Culture got sexy in 2015, but nobody knows really what to do with it. Culture is your uniqueness, who you are, what your vendors say about you, what your employees say about you when you're not in the room. So-
0: Do you think they know? Do you think many of the business owners even recognize this?
1: A lot of them look at me like I'm crazy, quite frankly, but I'm not. They don't all know it. They think they know it intellectually, but they don't want to put the time, effort, energy, and money into it. They want to put the time, effort, and money and energy into getting new customers and keeping those new customers. That's what we would look at revenue, gross margin, and profitability. But if you don't have the people to deliver to those customers, that's the gap. That's why we do the gap analysis. And that's what happens time and time again. I'll give you an example of a company in LA got that call from the CEO who was referred to me by someone in the community who knows the good work that we do. And he said, Kathleen, something's not quite right. And I said, well, let's start talking to your people. The answers are there if you engage those people who have already chosen you. They've chosen your brand. And you have an employment brand as well as a customer brand. Mm -hmm. So they've chosen you to follow into uncertainty every day. Let's hear from them why they stay with you.
0: You know, I, I think about that. I hadn't thought about the gap a lot. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere in a book recently about a beer tap is not enough. No. Whose book was that?
1: I think that was Solve the People Puzzle by Kathleen yeah, Quinn Votop. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's never about the beer. <laughs> it's no. never about the beer. And if
0: it's about the beer, you have a different Or problem.
1: the wine. Yeah. That would be for me.
0: You know, I, I think about just the most business owners from some of my background have no idea what their business is worth. They don't understand no, the components yeah. mm-hmm. of of exit and so on and so forth. And I think about the gap you just mentioned. And you go, how do they take... One recognizes, it. are they plateauing or do they just have turnover? What's their first inclination or inkling that they have a problem? What do you see as a symptom?
1: They see people leaving. They might see somebody, some comment on Glassdoor. Mm-hmm. They might see customers opting out or not renewing because revenue will leave. I mean, eventually it'll affect your revenue and mm-hmm. your gross margin um, and a perception. And in the absence of information, people make up their own stories. Mm-hmm. So unless you have your pulse on your culture, And what people are saying when you're not in the room, you're not going to be informed. So great story about one of our customers here in Colorado. And we have customers all over the United States and in Canada. But this particular company was just acquired by a very interesting private equity firm, very, very aggressive private equity firm. And they were putting a lot of investment dollars into the company. And this company was in a small town in Colorado, And they had been built on values and knowing the number of employees you were hired and really created this very cohesive culture in a small town in Colorado. Their values of how they hired people when they were a small company was do you fly fish? Do you mountain climb? Do you ski? Do you mountain bike? And oh, by the way, do you know how to do finance and accounting? So, can I hang out with you? Can you be part of our culture? Are you? That our type of person. Well, imagine the shift when you have a very high-powered private equity firm coming in. They don't care about fly fishing or mountain climbing. They, re- they want the results in three to five years. So what we learned in our gap analysis is the, the strategy, what the leadership of the company wanted to achieve in three to five years was not being executed by the VPs and the directors. They were still in Camelot. They were still hiring people, and their hiring criteria truly Bob was: do you fly fish? Do you mountain climb? And so our team sat in on some of their interviews and realized there was a, this was just one of many gaps. Yeah. But but so really understanding your culture, and we use our gap analysis to dive into what are your employees saying about you, listening to them in a confidential manner mm-hmm. giving you the feedback and then you as the leader have to have the courage to do something about it because if you listen and you ask those questions and you don't do something about it that's the kiss of death
0: yeah that's worse
1: that's awful because now you
0: know and you obviously don't care
1: <laughs> yeah. well if you do, sometimes it's fear
0: mm-hmm.
1: i've not met many people who really just truly don't care I feel fear sometimes motivates their inaction. Mm -hmm. So perhaps there's some who don't care, but I think it's fear. If I start talking about these things, isn't it going to get worse?
0: Is is the fear based on ignorance? They don't know what to do next.
1: Correct. And that's what our our company helps them through. Often it's really building an employment brand internally and externally about who you are, what you stand for, what you don't stand for, and giving people language around that, really meaningful language about... Who you are, what you stand for, what works, what doesn't work, and having that really intimate dialogue as employer and employee. We have set up an adversarial relationship in our country, think of it, Mm -hmm. between employer and employee. Well, I'm not going to tell you the truth, and you're not going to tell me the truth. I'm going to quit you at four o'clock on Friday.
0: Yeah, that's the old, that's the old day stuff.
1: That's still happening. The old days are here.
0: That's, you know, I think about, the challenge inside of if, as a business owner. Mm-hmm. And let's say you have the, the gap, right? Mm-hmm. And so your intellectual property is kind of thin if somebody comes to look to buy you. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they know because they're going to ask mm-hmm. and they'll find out. And then oh. I think about the after. Have you guys had the experience of going to a company pre-acquisition, working through getting everything aligned and the gaps fixed and seeing the result on valuation after?
1: Absolutely. A remarkable results because of the cohesiveness of the culture. And everyone moving in the same direction. This small little town company was $250 million when we first started working with them. They sold for $1.5 billion after four or five years. And it was not us. It was a team of people. But they had the courage to listen to their employees and make some really important changes that really helped them achieve their objectives. And that private equity firm was very happy and they could sell in three to five years. And we're a small, small part of their journey, but I think a really important part of their journey because they really had language with their employees and they could retain more, grow more, and train more of them to be the next generation of leaders. You need to be thinking about where's your next best person gonna come from? And I can't overemphasize, they might be sitting right next to you.
0: I think about you know, the training, the culture where you have repeatability. So if the CEO steps out, there's somebody in the Mm -hmm. chain that Mm -hmm. can pick it up Mm -hmm. and that you have a mechanism for training the skill positions that you require internally. So you don't have to depend on outside.
1: Right. And it's not like you never have to depend on outside. It's just that things have changed so dramatically that we think, Oh, the best person is out there somewhere. Well, maybe they're right. Let's just look at home first and let's see how we can grow our companies. From those people who are already bought into the culture. Okay.
0: So I, I, okay. I'm the business owner, right? And I'm going like, I need a new, fill in the blanks, level position. Mm -hmm. And I'm going like, okay, well, you know, there's Joan over there and then there's Bill over here. Do (laughs) I just go outside? Well, if I promote either of those guys, then I'm going to have to find somebody to replace them. Yeah. And so.
1: That's what all your hiring managers are thinking of. So your hiring managers, they are motivated some, not all. By fear. Mm-hmm. If I interview a candidate who is just a rock star, boy, they're going to make me look bad. I'm not going to hire them. And then the reverse happens from a leadership perspective. Wow. Joni's really great at being our controller. If I promote her, or give her some training, then I'm going to have to find another Joni. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not another Joni. It's a function. And that's the growth of the company. How do you grow the company, grow the people and keep the culture. That's but a
0: perspective. It,
1: mm-hmm, it is. Absolutely.
0: You know, yeah. I recently read a book by Don Miller's called Story Brand.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: he was talking about the congruency of the story and what you do and transmitting in that through your organization.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, we
0: were talking about the shortage of storytellers before we went on this oh, episode.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So there, do you see that storytelling skill set working its way back into the business community?
1: Well, I hope so. Right now, you know, I'm a storyteller and... I try to be a good storyteller, and I'm taking a course through Stanford right now, um, and our, the first story we worked on was our, our personal stories. Then we worked on our company stories. Then we worked on our user stories, and now we're working on our innovation stories. So it's so much fun to think of the story, and what I do train people on and when I speak out in the communities out there is people want to know your story. So when we started talking when we first came in the room, you, Bob, have a remarkable story. People follow you because of who you are. And so, so many leaders forget to tell their story. Who are they? What do they stand for? What don't they stand for? What's in, what are their non-negotiables? We've got to start sharing our stories because we didn't get there or here. We didn't get here without some scraped knees. I'm just going to say.
0: So, do you, do you think that's a, um, you know, in the military, a lot of that is I'm bulletproof and nothing bothers me.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and you go, is that a challenge with thinking about I made a mistake or might have been vulnerable at some point mm-hmm. and unwilling to expose yourself to perhaps that view?
1: Have you ever heard of Brene Brown? <laughs> I love her. If she's listening to this, gotta, go, girl, go. Keep telling people to be vulnerable. These people want to understand our stories. Because so many people overcome so much every day. I wrote an article in my blog that, in, that is entitled, What Crosses We Bear. And I was motivated to write this because I met a gentleman who runs a nonprofit called Invisible Disabilities. And so many people are walking around with invisible disabilities. And you can think of, you probably all just thought, listening to me about five, there's so many invisible disabilities that we don't know about, and we need to give people a little grace. So I I think there's such a power to your journey, my journey, to those people who are following us. We have to create leaders. You went into the military. You didn't just go in and become an officer. I think you went through a little bit of training. Right? Just Just a little little Just a little bit. A little bit. You know, I have so many mentors that I thank every day when I do my daily gratitudes that help me become who I am. My father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, Ronnie Mostyn, Dave Mead, Greg, oh my goodness. I mean, the list goes, I, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Who are your mentors? So, who are we giving? Are we being mentors to people? Dave Mead is a friend of mine here locally. He's, he's creating a mentoring Colorado uh, movement. And I believe it's the right thing to do because people are craving how do we get here?
0: You know, it's it's an interesting part of the reason for the podcast. Yes. You know, part of it was called the digital mentor. Mm -hmm. And I think about the stories, your story and other Mm -hmm. folks, you know, Mm -hmm. and you kind of go, well, it's a unique story that departs when you do, Mm -hmm. by and large, unless it's recorded or somebody remembers, you know, and after a period of time, people really don't remember. No. And the genius on so many people, you know, I think is underappreciated and grit, Mm -hmm. you know, and then somewhere along the line being polite. Mm-hmm. and having some level of empathy for others. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and those skill sets, I think, aren't transmitted well. And I've talked to a large quantity of of women in the workforce. Part of the objective of the podcast is to have it equal, if I can get it that way. And I was interested recently in talking to women that serve on boards. Mm-hmm. And there's some remarkable statistics on having women included on boards on performance of the company and so on. Yes. Very remarkable and mm-hmm you know, should be observed and done and adopted kind of somewhat. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree.
1: You know, I,
0: I was thinking as you were talking, so you were working for a staffing company at some point.
1: Yes, I was.
0: And you made the decision, I want to do this myself. Mm-hmm. I want to have my own firm. Take us back to kind of that moment where you finally said, I'm not doing this over here anymore. I'm going to do my own. What was
1: that like? (laughs) That's a fun story. So um, I have always been a maverick. Can you tell? (laughs) So I think if you talk to any of my brothers and sisters or my mom, they would tell you that and anybody who I've interacted with. So I was an employee for many, many years, not the easiest person to manage. One of my mentors was really good at managing me because he just would come in once a month and let me go and then come back in once a month. But um, actually, the greatest, one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten was I was fired from my last job. And uh, it was a great gift, because it allowed me to really figure out what I wanted to do. And you know, the answer came from all those that I've served throughout my years. One of my clients actually, locally said, we've all been waiting for you to stop working for other people. So why don't you just help me do this project? And it was a Recruitment project in a particular area, and I said, "Huh, okay, I didn't know you were waiting for me." So that was the beginning of me as an entrepreneur. And you know, many people don't talk about the fact that they've been fired; they they hide it in darkness because they don't want anybody to know. But there's a gap in their I, I got I to tell you, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I learned about myself. I learned about who I am. I learned that I'm resilient. I learned that I could take care of my family. I learned that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to create. Um, I also learned that I wanted to have my freedom. It was very important to me. So out of that became a talent trust. And so I've been doing that since 2003. In the first couple of years, 2003 to 2009, it was really a lifestyle company. My son, who's now 18, was three to nine. And so I'll never forget, I was sitting with um, one of my clients and it was going to be three o'clock really soon. And I had to get to the bus stop at four o'clock. And I was trying to pitch a deal. You know, it's like, oh, my God. And he was Dan McCallum. God bless him. He's since, since retired. And I kept looking at the clock over his head. I was looking at the clock. And I'm having a mommy moment, but I'm trying to pitch a big deal to bring in, like, a whole sales team. And he goes, what are you looking at the clock for? I said, oh, Dan, I have to be real. I have a child standing on Conifer Mountain waiting for me. If I don't get there by four, lions and tigers and bears. Yep. And Dan goes, go, call me on the phone. We'll finish the deal on the phone. And that was a very, um, that was a wonderful aha moment to me. The more authentic and vulnerable and real you can be. And this, he was a very senior smart man in a steel company who you normally you would say, you don't tell them what's going on. But that was such a liberating moment. And then really, we started growing from there. In 2009, when everything tanked for everybody, I was a member of Vistage International, which is a great business community. I love them. And they really circled around me to help me stay focused on my mission and what I was trying to achieve. I wanted to disrupt the recruitment industry and do it better. Mm-hmm. It's not a transaction. It's about the journey. It's about building great companies, not butts and seats. So our company will not just give you a butt and a seat. You've got to make sure you build a culture that can keep them. Mm-hmm. And then from there, our company grew dramatically. So the company actually, we now have, I think, about 18 employees. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I think about solving the problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, And if you can solve the problem, then the customers typically show up because they're looking for a solution. You know, we, yes. we we talk time and time again about mm-hmm. people and we have to have an employee and this and the other. And mm-hmm. the reality is, there's a problem at some point that employee will address. Yes. And Correct. I think, you know, I see it in the other businesses that I have too, is you really have to spend a lot of time in the understanding phase. Mm-hmm. If you're a lousy listener, listening. Yes, ma'am.
1: Yes. Got to listen
0: and you got to ask maybe the right question and then determine if the right question makes everybody uncomfortable and then come back to it. Mm hmm. But yeah, and then you can diagnose.
1: Well, listen and react.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the first step is listening. We call it, you know, measuring. Where where are you today? Where's your culture today? How engaged are people? Are they promoters or detractors? Are you paying them every week and they hate you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Are they telling people how awful you are? You should really know that. <laughs> I, I would want to know that. <laughs> I would want to know, yeah. and um, and then work on those things that are most important to the company. That you serve, because the reality is we as privately held business owners, we serve our employees, we serve our customers, and we serve our employees' families. Yes. We are responsible for the way the family interacts. I heard a great speaker once, and his name is escaping me. I don't, it'll come to me in a Tourette's moment at some point. He was talking about people spend most of their waking hours at work, and we actually send them home. If they've had a bad day, it affects the whole family. It affects their relationship with their significant other and their children and everyone else. If they go home and they've had a positive outcome, it affects everything else. So we have a lot of responsibility in how we serve both our customers, our external Customers and our internal
0: customers. Well, both of them, you know, I think if you're serving the external customer, then they have families they're responsible for. Yes. And internally, you're responsible. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's just not the employee, mm-hmm. it is their family and their kids and Everybody. the education and lifestyle. And, you know, I don't dwell too much on that
1: because it gets overwhelming. Kind of go, yeah, just do the right thing. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. Do the right thing. My brother says that all the time. Yeah. Let's just do the right thing. Do the right thing. That's our number one core value do the right thing, even if it's hard.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, if you don't know what to do, just do the right
1: thing. Just do the right thing. Yeah. You, you know, and it sounds yeah. simple. It, it does sound simple. And even if even if you do the wrong thing because you think you're doing the right thing, you did the right thing mm-hmm. because you thought it was the right thing. Yeah. With And you can, you can learn yeah. from it.
0: Oh, yeah. Go, I thought it was the right thing. I
1: thought it was the right thing at the time. You know, and,
0: and, and you forgive yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. And forgive others.
0: And others. And mm-hmm. then go, okay, we're going to go get it again.
1: Yes. You right. can always have a do-over. You can always have a do-over. Every day is a do-over. Every day is an opportunity to do your best.
0: You know, before we we go on to some of the other things that I was going to quiz you to death on, for you, when you start your day, Mm. what does your ritual look like?
1: Okay. So when I start my day, it's typically started with um, daily gratitudes Mm -hmm. and just being grateful that I have the day. I'm a cancer survivor. So I had thyroid cancer. I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in December of 2000, two months after I had my child. So that was, that was, talk about a high low. Yeah. That was a high peaks, low. Peaks and valleys. Yes. <laughs> we were really high and then we were really low. Yeah. And so that rocks your world for a good five years. I'm grateful that I am cancer free today. And um, so I'm just really grateful that I have today that I can sit here and talk to you. I like to be very present and it just makes me happy. And I'm happy for my husband and my, son and my family and all those who choose to follow me into uncertainty every day. (laughs) They're cool. And our clients are cool. And, you know, nothing is, it's not life and death. I tell my people all the time, we're not, it's not life and death.
0: You're not doing brain surgery.
1: No, we're not. And we're not, you know, it's not life and death. So we, in my business, we have the opportunity to do our very best. And if we don't do our very best, we have the opportunity To fix that. So it's really how I go. I do my daily gratitudes. Then I get prepared for my day the day before, Mm -hmm. really. I'm just, that's the way I do things. Not surprising, I'm sure, to you. (laughs) And then I I work mock to with my hair on fire from Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And then weekends are sacred for my family. Mm -hmm. I really hold them for them. I really try not to work on Saturday or Sunday. And at 6 p.m. every day, I lock this lovely little thing up. I put it away in my mm-hmm. office. I don't continue to play on it.
0: I think it refreshes, lets, yeah. you, lets you go into neutral for a while, which has mm-hmm. value.
1: Well, just be present, mm-hmm. sit down, have a glass of wine, watch a show, read a book, do something else other yes. than respond to everything, which has everybody at this hyper, oh. you know, we're all just like, okay, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And I, I you know, you, it can wait. Yeah,
0: you know, I saw some of the other day comment, it says, we are addicted to outrage.
1: Oh well how about, about that for a watch the news. I was Good crazy Lord. I was, um, I was my husband had the news on, and I walked in and I said, "Are we still talking about this? I mean, there's such anger. yes. and I, I'm not interested in talking about sides, but if we could stop with the anger, gosh, how much could we achieve?
0: You know how about being polite? Oh, yeah! Just recognize, please,
1: and thank you.
0: Yeah, be polite. hmm Do what your mom said you to do. Exactly. Yeah.
1: All I ever learned, I learned in kindergarten. All I ever needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. One of my favorite books: "Hold hands when you cross the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look both ways. Have cookies at four o'clock." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great idea. There's
0: part of that gap analysis <laughs> please, I'm missing a cookie. Please
1: and thank you. Please. I mean, I am oversimplifying it to a large extent, but if you go back to basics. And human kindness, things get much more clear. Mm -hmm. We tend to over-engineer everything. And if you just get, we were dealing with human beings, everything you're doing. So let's figure out how to be kind. A lot will be solved that way. With that. With that. With
0: that. For you, highlight of your year so far, looking back over your year.
1: Well, I have many, many highlights. I'll give you a professional and a personal one. Perfect. So professionally in March, I think, I was awarded the top 25 most powerful women in Colorado. And it kind of makes me go, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) I'm not powerful, but that was the title. Mm -hmm. Um, Met Kristen Blessman, who is the CEO, wonderful gal of Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce. She's growing that organization and doing a brilliant job and um, just was helpful. Really, truly, I was just helpful for absolutely no gain. (laughs) And lo and behold, I get this award. And I didn't, you know, have you ever had that moment where you come into, I was busy, I was working, I was serving my clients, serving my employees, doing whatever I do, running to speaking engagements. And I was getting ready for the event, didn't even realize what was happening. Sat down, my husband was there, some of my team were there. And I'm like, oh, there's a thousand people here. This is a big dang deal. And I sat there for a moment and went, hmm, this is a big deal. Be present. So I have a friend, Al Colleen, who talks about being level four as much as you can, which means kind of being in the kindness, you know, just being aware of other people Mm -hmm. more than yourself. And so I sat back and I went, Oh, I should just be really present for this and aware of what's going on and the other awardees. And so it was just a remarkable moment for, for me, my husband, my family, my child, my employees for the company. It was really a blessing. It was really nice. And then personally, my son, who's 18, you'll hear me talk about him all the time. He's fabulous. His name is John, and he just graduated from, from Conifer High School. Shameless plug for Conifer High School. Great organization. They graduate ninety. of their students. And Wesley Paxton there is doing a great job. Love him. And he graduated. And I, again, it was one of those moments where you plan for it and you're having graduation and people are coming in. And When I sat in the audience, I just had that moment where this is remarkable. It's a chapter. It was a chapter in the journey and it was remarkable. And he's on his way. So those are two. Those work. They're fun.
0: Personal passion project. What are you working on?
1: Oh, I'm working on my next business called KQV Speaks. Mm -hmm. I am 53 years old. So I need a plan. See, I didn't ask. No, but I'm, I don't care. I'll tell the world I don't give a shit. Oh, I'm probably not supposed to say that I word. Will, will, will. <laughs> we can edit that out. <laughs> it happens almost all the time. When you know, it's a business term. <laughs> I, it's I a business so. term. It's very widely used. Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> among many. Yes. And
1: respected. Um, but KQB Speaks um, was just founded in uh, January of 2019. It's a project my husband and I are working on together. And we're working on bringing my voice out to the world and the message of solve the people puzzle. And also I have another book in queue that I'm working on just to help people achieve what they're trying to achieve. Um, so I have many different topics that I talk about. Um, one is culture by design, not default. Recruitment is a sales process and really unveiling that whole process to the world. Uh, the other one is Me Too, Now What Do We Do? Um, and I believe in men too, by the way. It's not just Me Too, it's men too. It's all of us. So how are we going to move forward positively in this culture we've created? There shouldn't be adversity between men and women. We should be leading together. And you stated that companies on that have women on boards do better. Catalyst.org t- has great statistics around that. And still, it's not adopted. So, there, we've got a gap there. There's a big gap. And so, I'm very excited about bringing my knowledge, my passion, my love out to the world just to help everyone lift everyone up. Brene Brown is one of my heroes who's doing this. And I love her quote that she starts daring greatly with, you know, about the man in the arena. You know, mm-hmm. that quote. Oh, mm-hmm. So many of us are standing on the sidelines criticizing each other, but people like you and me and Brene and other people who are right in the middle of the arena may be doing things wrong sometimes.
0: But they're doing something. But they're
1: doing something. And they're not sitting on the sidelines. So I want people to get off the sidelines. And so I'm very passionate about that. I'm doing a lot of work about that this year. And stay tuned on that. I'll come back and tell you about that.
0: You know it- we we talked about what we were going to talk about before we started. And and we're not so, necessarily we're talking so about that. Script. It really doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. And, and
1: this happens to me, Bob. <laughs> well, you know, I, I,
0: it, sometimes interviews are more difficult than others yeah. on the podcast, and this doesn't happen to be one of them. You know, and, and I think about your journey. You you really kicked it into gear on in talking to groups somewhat recently, unless I'm mistaken. Three
1: years. I've been speaking to, I've been speaking professionally for three years. So I did it kind of in reverse, I think, from what I hear from other people. Mm -hmm. Professional speakers, they want to be just professional speakers. Well, so I started, I was an employee, then I started a company. And then, you know, somebody suggested, you got a book in there, you know, based on all my writings. If you go to my website, there's a big blog with more information than you want. So then I wrote the book and then they're like, oh, we love your book. Can you speak? And then I started speaking Mm -hmm. and here we go. If you listen to your life, it'll give you your path. And it's this is my path. So I'm 53 and, you know, John's going off to college, my son. And, you know, it'd be kind of cool to have a whole nother gig. I've got quite capable people running Talent Trust.
0: You have a business, not a job. I have a
1: business, not a job. And so when I speak, it is a lead generation for Mm -hmm. Talent Trust. Mm -hmm. So see the business model blooming before your very eyes. And also, I have fun. I have fun. And I love having fun. You can probably tell.
0: You know, for you, have you always been a communicator?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So, public speaking was not much of a challenge for you, or was it? So,
1: when I was 12 years old, my teacher, uh, my music teacher, said, <laughs> it was one of those <laughs> moments where somebody goes, "Hmm." <laughs> right, I mean, go. Oh my God! And she said, "You have a really nice speaking voice." And I said, "Okay." And she said, "Would you just come over here?" And she played a tune, and I sang a song. So I've been amateurly, professionally singing since twelve. So I think that was part of it for me. Then I did get my BA in communications from. Emmanuel College, which was a small little baby college in Boston in the 80s, 84 to 88. I was in college. And so I've always had that ability to sing in front of people, speak in front of people, mm-hmm. never got intimidated by that. I did you know, we're all created equal. That doesn't, you know. If you're going to judge me, well, then shame on you. You stand up here. You, <laughs> you get up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Less than 2% of the people in the universe would ever do anything public speaking or let alone singing.
0: Yeah, No one would request for me to sing. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> Not unless they were You the can probably
1: control. lead uh, singing. Uh,
0: yeah, that would be yeah. a scary
1: thought.
0: <laughs> um, for, before we get too far, because we're bumping into time frame, how do people find you if they want to reach out to you?
1: So our website is talenttrust.com with one T in the middle, T-A-L-E-N-T-R-U-S-T.com. Also, you can reach out to me via my phone number, 303-838-3334, extension 5 is my personal phone number, but you can call anybody on the team. Talent Trust is a great, the website is a great way to look, look us up, look at our people, all of our information's on there. It's a great way to connect with us. And um, I'm happy to come back and talk more about whatever you'd like to talk about.
0: Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time. I did a little homework. I read your book yesterday. So uh, for the folks that haven't, get busy, get the book, read the book, and uh, maybe execute on some of the things that are in the book. That would be helpful.
1: Just one thing. Just pick one thing. Remember, I've been doing this for 31 years now. You can only do one thing at a time.
0: So pick one. Mm -hmm. And if you get sideways, the only mistake you can make is by not reaching out. So with that, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Bob. I really had a blast.